Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Stewardship. And um, it's, a, it's a word that um, maybe needs a little bit of defining, especially nowadays. Um, people want to do things but not live in the responsibility of the right to do something. And even greater, uh, being a steward is something um, even more precious. So one writer says that being a steward is managing, cultivating, developing another person's valuables uh, or acting on their behalf. Okay, so being a good steward being a good steward. And when you look through stewardship in the Bible, uh, it's, it's a very holy thing. You know, we see that through the book of the Gospels. In, the, in Luke 16, we have the unjust steward and the right steward, right? The one that buried his talent and the one that um, uh, invested his talent. And, um, but I want us to think about as believers, <clears throat> we see a very interesting verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 1, um, what are we stewards of? What are we stewards of? What are we managers of? And I, I say that word managing in a positive way um, in the sense of caring, developing, um, focusing on, enjoying. Well, uh, it's really the mysteries of God. This is the answer. This is what we are being good stewards of. And one, one, uh, you know, one particular writer, Peel, he says, owners have rights, but stewards have responsibilities. Owners have rights, but stewards have responsibilities. So when you look at our world today, everyone's crying out about rights, rights. I have my rights. I, I feel like a a woman, so I have the right to change and be a woman, or um, um, so many backwards thinking. But when you look at stewardship, when you look at stewardship, it's really about responsibilities. And we're managing or we are acting on the behalf of the owner. And I think this changes the way that we preach. This changes the way that we minister. This changes the way we think about the church because it's not our show. Isn't that good? It's not our show. And it's not all about preferences. It's not all about what I want to happen. It is found here, a couple verses here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Father, bless these words. May they be your words today. Bless the hearers, Father, in Jesus' name. Okay, amen. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ. So before I'm a steward, I'm a servant, right? What does a servant do? They are surrendered. They are submitted. They are um, actively following, right? Not only are we servants of Christ, but we are stewards of the mysteries of God. You see that? Stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, when you think about mystery, it's an unveiling or a progressive revelation of something. Like if we were to say, 
Love is a mystery that's based in truth. It's something that we are going to be learning about all of our days on earth and even in eternity. The mysteries of grace, it's something that can't be quantified. It cannot be regulated. It is, it's a mystery. It's beyond us. It's, the, um, it's a revelation or an unveiling of something that we can't quite grasp. And Paul is saying here that, yes, we are servants. We are ministers of the gospel. But we're also stewards of mysteries. And I like this because it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Like, what does that really mean? Well, he goes on to say, we are stewards of the mysteries of Christ. Moreover, it is required that a steward be found faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to the mysteries of Christ. And faithful to Christ. And if I'm faithful learning about the mystery of God, a relationship with God, then his word will ultimately be unfolding every day. That's why we can open our Bibles and it's constantly speaking. It's constantly ministering. Um, maybe it's not um, like in big red letters or neon lights here, but God is speaking and showing us our ministry. What is your ministry today? It's more than activity. It's being stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, I want this to kind of be practical, so um, notice what he goes on to say. And he, and he goes right into verse 3, but with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. Why is it that he is not manipulated by people? Because he's a steward of the mystery. He, that, that's his priority. He is so focused on the words and ministry and revelation of Christ that people don't manipulate him. And this is why he says in context, it's a very little thing that you judge me or don't like what I'm doing or I should be doing other things. And then let's go a step further. It's, I don't even judge myself. I don't even think about myself that highly. It just kind of uh, showed me a beautiful uh, context to these verses. We are stewards. We are the manager, the caretaker, the, the one who acts on another person's valuables. And what is the most valuable thing in our life? Well, it's our Bibles. It's our relationship with God. And this is our ministry as we speak, as we preach. And that's why our message is Christ plus nothing that equals everything. Now, we can be stewards of many other things. And we can be stewards of lesser things, uh, but we won't have a ministry unless we're stewards of the mystery of God, right? I, I want to show you more about that, but look at, look at uh, Romans 16, Romans 16 for a minute. This is a, a verse that I think about a lot, Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to, to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest by the prophetic scriptures known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for the obedience to the faith. Boy, that is a mouthful. Now to him, that's it. That's where the mystery starts. Him. 
if I take my focus off of Him, guess what? Focus is the key to spiritual growth, right? If I take my eyes off of Him, I will be a steward of the wrong thing. I'll be a steward maybe trying to manage people's emotions or manage people's thoughts about how they think about me or manage, maybe I'm managing things that have no eternal value. Um, and we can become overextended with the good things, but they're not the right things. They're not things that make Christ more real in my life or bring a deeper walk with God. He is able to establish you. This is su- these are such great verses. The mystery of godliness. Amen. The mystery of iniquity, right, that doth work in this day and age. Are we surprised? Are we surprised at what's going on in our world? Of course, uh, we're not. It's very discouraging in a lot of ways, but I'm not focused on being a steward of being politically correct. I'm not I'm not being a steward of making everybody happy. I'm not, I'm, I'm a, we, we are stewards of the mystery of God. That's why uh, when you preach and minister in the Spirit, in the Spirit, you may offend people because um, they, are, they are not in tune with the mystery of God. And Paul is saying here that he's preaching according to the revelation of the mystery. And this is why... Our word has so much power because it's not our words. They're God's words. And we were just saying this on Grace Hour that Jeremiah, he was speaking the words of God and the chief priest beat him and threw him in stocks. Why? And because he didn't like what Jeremiah was saying. And, you know, I remember Pastor Stephen used to say, don't get angry at me, it's the word of God. And that's the same principle here. It's the mystery of God being communicated in love and truth. And we are stewards, caretakers. We are divine managers. And we are responsible to communicate clearly the character and nature of God in every season. Different seasons that people like it and people that don't like it. And we don't try to offend people. That's not our goal. But it's inevitable, right? Because the flesh always gets offended, right? Well, let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 4. I love this. So we said earlier, owners have rights, but stewards have responsibilities. So what do we own today? Well, in Psalm 24, it says everything in the earth is the Lord's. And Revelation 4 says that, verse 11, that everything was made by him and for him. So where's our ownership? We don't have any ownership. <laughs> right? So I, I, we are responsible, we are stewards of the things of God. And this is where we find great fulfillment. This is where we find our ministry. Um, and this is where we really enter into our true purpose. Well, he goes on to say this. Um, uh, let's look on here. Verse... Um, There's so many good verses here that that we could focus on. Verse 10, it says this word again. It says, um, uh, we are fools for Christ's sake. Am I in the right? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong chapter. No wonder I'm having trouble finding the verse. All right, 1 Peter 4, 10. Look at this. Let's turn back to 1 Peter 
with me here. 1 Peter 4.10, we see this beautiful word stewardship. <clears throat> All right, 1 Peter 4.10. This is a verse we know, but it kind of comes to life for us today. It says, as each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The poikilos, the many sides of grace, the many faces of grace. So to say that I have to give grace based on myself is not accurate because none of us have grace. We may have a superficial uh, pity or leniency, but God is saying, I want you to be a steward of my grace. So when a steward is managing another person's belongings, they have to know the heart of the owner. They have to be in tune with their value system. They have to be involved with knowing the priorities of the owner. So how on earth can I manage or be a steward of the manifold grace of God? I first must have a relationship with the God of all grace in 510 of Peter. Therefore, when I have a relationship with grace, I can now be a steward of it by giving it away generously because that is how we see the grace of God always in the Bible. It is relentless, it's generous, and it's without regulation, right? So we are stewards of the manifold mystery, the manifold grace of God. Isn't that incredible? It, it, it's just a, it, it's a, it's a, great, it's a great thought. So the ownership is the Lord, the responsibility, and we know that word responsibility to be the caretaker, to make sure that things are clearly representing the heart of the owner, right? The responsibility, uh, maybe a manager there at the store, right? You're at a restaurant. What is he? He's not, he's not representing himself. He's representing the owner. He's representing uh, what he does goes beyond reflecting himself. It reflects the owner. So as Christians, we are manifesting the mystery of God as we fellowship with the mystery of God because we have no idea, really, really the depth and the length and the height of Ephesians 3.17 of the love of God. This is why we are so much in awe and learning and discovering God every day of our life. Of course, the devil would want to hijack that. So we have ownership, responsibility, and then here it is. We have accountability, right? We have accountability. We are now accountable to the Spirit. We, are, we have to give account. Okay, does this represent the heart of the owner? Does this represent the God of the Bible? Does this represent the, the full nature of who God is? That's why we don't pull a verse out of the one verse and build a doctrine out of it. We, we look at the whole Bible through the full mention, and we, we interpret the Bible based on the, on the character and nature of God as it's clearly represented progressively through the Bible. That's why you get these wacko teachings out there that, um, like I had somebody tell me the other day that God sends people to hell uh, because of predestination. Only a few are predestined. And I said, I said, defend that in the Bible. 
and they pulled out some obscure verses. And I said, you've missed the God of the Bible if you believe that nonsense, right? Because God sends nobody to hell, right? He does not send anybody to hell. Um, because the hell was made for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. And this is why God relentlessly pursues people and says, come to me in whatsoever, in whatsoever condition, whosoever will at whenever time. And this is why we soul win. Many people don't soul win because they think, oh, God has chosen those, who, those that are his. That's a gross misunderstanding of Romans 8, 27 through 29. Like we know that it's a personal decision and you've been taught that very well, obviously. So um, let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 4. This is so good today. Manifold <coughs> stewards of the grace of, of God. <coughs> Excuse me. How do you manifold? How, do you, how, how are you a steward with grace? Well, first you have to be acquainted with it and have a relationship with it. You know, if you're a cook, right, um, and, and hopefully you're tasting your food, right, make sure it's not... Not like some disaster on the plate there. It might look nice, but how does it taste? You have a relationship with, with what you're providing, right? And maybe you're adding to it. You're, you're improving it in the sense of, of making sure it's pure and um, representing the true nature of it. All right. I love this. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Uh, again, we see over and over that a steward finds himself faithful. Okay, let me show you one other verse in Luke. Luke, Luke chapter 16. So, really, the important part of our ministry is making sure that we represent God correctly. I mean, that might sound oversimplified, but that is the true nature of the authority we have. Because the devil comes in and he... He skews it, right? He puts the emphasis on you or me or my response or somehow if we perform greater, there'll be a greater uh, manifestation. But really, the authority and the action of being a steward is that we do it exactly according to the heart of God. So what happens in our lives sometimes is we can, we, we enter into a drifting because we out, we, uh, we step outside the order of how God has done it, and we now include our order, or we include our perspective, or we include our opinion. The last thing I, I understood in the Bible is that there, God was not interested in our opinion, right? right? Our opinion is, our world is full of opinions, like, and it's like, okay, that's great. It still doesn't change the nature of what's being said here. <laughs> you can have all that, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we are stewards of another person's gospel, another person's heart. Another, this is why we treat people very carefully, right? Because we may do it very differently than God, and most of the time we will. We might say that person, that person should be judged and, and, and chastised and thrown out, and God is saying, give mercy, give truth. Give forgiveness. Uh, yes, speak the truth, and there's correction, of course, but it's according to the heart of the owner. And we don't own anybody. God owns us. Isn't that good? So again, we're stewards of the owner's possession. I don't know about you. This is kind of a, 
a fun thought from you. Maybe it's too simplistic, but this is, this is everything. So uh, I don't know about you. It, it, we can do a lot of activity and a lot of action. It's like climbing a ladder, and you get to the top, and the ladder's on the wrong building, right? And it's like, there you are, and you're like, I'm in the wrong place. I did a lot, but I'm in the wrong place. The beautiful thing about being stewards of the mystery of God, the, the mystery of, of long-suffering, the mystery of the Spirit, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of marriage, is that we're in the right place at the right time with the right gospel, with the right outcome. Might not seem like it. Might not seem like it. But when we're stewards, we are constantly in fellowship with the owner. We're constantly in fellowship with the master, constantly in fellowship with the true blueprint. Guess what happens? The outcome is true, right? The outcome is true. The result is true, right? Uh, somebody was building a deck for me, and, and we were measuring, and I thought, this does not look straight. does not look straight. And then he, br he brought down the, the, the plumb line, or what do, you, what do you call it, the, the um, leveler. Thank you. Thank you. And it was spot on. I said, it doesn't look right, but it was right. It's the same thing. It's like we may not see it clearly, but God says it is absolutely true. All right, Luke 16. This is good. Luke 16, 8. So, um, so ownership leads to responsibility, right? accountability, and then reward. What's the reward of stewardship? Well, we become a beneficiary. We begin to experience the ways of God. We begin to experience the Spirit of God. We begin to experience the fruit of God. Uh, you know, there's so much uh, personification of God in our day and age where we attribute God to be like us, right? We attribute God to be like the emotional roller coaster that we can be like. We can change like the weather. And somehow we can, we can bring the owner way down and we can misrepresent the owner and misrepresent uh, the true nature of something. And we begin to be stewards of other things that have no value. Instead of the mystery, now God is trying to be explained. Have you ever tried to explain God to somebody? Do you know that's not our mission, to explain God? And we can certainly, uh, in, in all ways possible, describe him and use the word, but to explain God? It, it's like somebody that loses a child. How are you going to explain that? You're not. You're not going to explain it. You can comfort them. You can love them. You can encourage them. How about explaining cancer? Can, you exp can I explain cancer? Right? No, I can't explain that, nor do I want to try because I'm not being a steward of, of, someone, of, of managing someone's expectations or someone's result. This is where problems happen. But instead, we're empathetic, loving, but we're stewards of the mystery of love. Maybe we might say, maybe we might be present with that person and just love them and let the why be an echo that just, drown, that just dissipates right? Why, 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 why? Just let it dissipate. I'm not qualified to, to answer for God. Job tried, tried that, right? Job, how many questions did Job have for God? How many? 10, I think, 10 or 12. How many questions did God have for Job? 60 or so. 
He said, okay, Job, straighten up, and I want you to answer my questions now. And don't you love the beauty of God is that when you read Job 37 through 41, mystery, mystery, mystery. And this is what makes our faith so powerful and, and so enjoyable and, and so, um, so interesting, right? Because the flesh wants to measure things and put things in neat little boxes and, you know, you got to do this and the formula one plus one equals two and if you do this all right, then this... No, no, God is like saying, nope, nope, you cannot even explain me in Romans eleven twenty five. I'm past finding out. And stop trying to explain me in so many words. He said, let my word, let my nature explain itself. And this is why if I try to try to, de- to describe or define God based on outcome, we will, we, will en- we will end up in the wrong place. How do we understand God? We have this beautiful love letter, the Bible. And He is infinite, but He is knowable, and He personally speaks to you. He, speak- he personally speaks to me in the Bible. So, <clears throat> all right. Does this make sense today? So this kind of sets us free. So we are just presenters. We present who God is. Are we debaters? Uh, Maybe. Maybe we help people understand it. But I'm not here to persuade anybody. I can't convince you. It's like someone might say, "I I can't trust you as far as I can throw you. It's the same principle. It's the Holy Spirit that will reveal the mystery. Isn't that good? It's like, okay, God. Open the eyes of my servant. This is why when you hear a message, um, it's con- we were listening to it, do we understand every part of it? No, we don't. But as we meditate on it, the mystery is unfolding. The, it's a progressive revelation. And um, this is why sometimes in churches, uh, people come into a church and they critique it based on their standard. And really, the only standard that I should be going to a church is if the pulpit is feeding my life. That's it. If it's not feeding your life, then, then that, that's, that's the real question. All right, Luke 16, 8. And thank God for our pulpit. We, ha- we have a generous feast. So in 16, 8, so the master commands the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly for the sons of the world are more shrewd in this generation than the sons of light. This is a powerful verse. It's saying here that the wicked are more um, powerful than the righteous in this generation. Do you know why? You know why? Because the righteous in a lot of ways are being stewards of the wrong thing. That's it. We're too much trying to manage people rather than listening to the Holy Spirit. I want to listen to the Spirit, what the Spirit is saying to the church. I want to listen to the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit is saying in our conversation. Rather than trying to manage someone's response, someone's outcome, and someone's uh, idea of me. Who cares about all that, right? But if we're stewards of the mystery, guess what happens? The person is set free. What happens when we're stewards of the mystery? The person here is a personal word from God. When we're stewards of the mystery, people are healed. People are saved. People are brought back into the, the prodigals come home. 
Who helped the prodigal? Nobody helped the prodigal except the remembrance of the father's heart. That's what rescued the prodigal. So as we are stewards of the manifold grace of God, as we are stewards of the mysteries of God, it impacts people more than we know. And so the, the wicked are not more powerful than the righteous, but the righteous have discernment. The righteous are active in the right things. The righteous are moving with the right spirit and moving in the right direction. Uh, I think there's one more verse I want to share. I don't know. I like this thought. Responsibility. I know I want my son to, to understand the weight of things, like responsibility. Um, you know, somebody once said, it's my response to God's ability. That's kind of a fun thing to think, but responsibility to work eight hours for eight hours pay without taking shortcuts. A responsibility to not be a liar, right? But to, but to speak well of people behind their back. By the way, if I speak evil behind someone's back, it is sure as day that it'll get back to that person. And by the way, if someone speaks evil about you to another, speaks evil about another person to you, then for sure they will speak evil about you to another person. For sure. So those stolen waters, they're not sweet. Oh, some juicy information. You know what? You can keep it, right? All right. I love this. 25, 21. Matthew 25, 21. Oh, thank you. Hi, Carla. All right. 25, 21. You ready? You still with me? Anybody here? All right. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a steward over many I'll make you a ruler. I love that. So maybe you have a couple things in your life and you're wondering, hey, I want more. God says, just be faithful with what you have. Represent me properly. Don't hold the word unrighteously. Make it as close as the mystery as possible, as you know it. And God will say, I will give you more. I'll give you more. And I'll give you more. Amen. Precious Father, thank you today. Lord, we open our eyes again to the mysteries of God, the mysteries of salvation, the mysteries of grace, the mysteries of, of truth, the mystery of, of uh, who you are in the midst of the church. Thank you, Lord. Help us not to put our grubby hands on the ark, but help us to walk in the order that you have so clearly given. Thank you, God. Bless your people today. We are so encouraged we're so encouraged today that it's not our show, but we are setting up the stage so that you will move, that you will act, that you will do. And we trust you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Any thoughts we can talk about? Anybody? Any mysteries? Not murder mysteries, but any mysteries that you... No, go ahead. Go
Yes. David was so upset at God, but David did it his way, didn't he? What was wrong? What was, why did Uzziah, um, Uzziah? No, it's um, Uzzah. How, why, why was Uzzah struck dead? Anybody know? He touched the ark, but it was way before that. Okay, the, on the cart, right? Yes. How was the ark supposed to be carried? On whose shoulders? The Levite priests, exactly. So David thought he'd be more, he, he thought he'd help God, right? Put it on a cart, but it was unstable, right? So God wasn't trying to be a meanie. He was just trying to say, you're outside my order. You're outside my mystery. You're outside of being a steward of my definition. So I have to, tr I have to correct that way of thinking, right? Any, any comments? Any questions? It's a beautiful word, diversity, right? I got to say something about that word. It's a buzzword in our in our. The thing, the problem with diversity today is that there's not one goal. There's not one root. There's many roots. Like you can be whoever you want to be and do whatever you want to do based on your own relative value system, and that is not diversity. That's chaos, right? Right? It's like, what do they say? They have the Statue of Liberty in New York, but in San Francisco they have no, uh, no accountability or something like that. There's something like that. But just to say, like, with power and authority comes great responsibility, right? Yeah, anyway. Ownership. It's interesting, isn't it? What do we own? Do we even own our own body? We're bought with a price, right? It's my right. Is it? No, it's not. It's not. And that's a hot topic. And I could care, you know, I have to be careful here, but um, yeah. It's murder. It's murder because we take our, we take our, we're stewards of the mystery of life. Life. Anyway, don't get me going on that. I have to. It's so important. It's so important what we're talking about. And this is why we don't defend God. This is why we don't explain God. We just present the heart of God. Like, I love how one person said it. It's like, it's like a lion in the cage. Does the lion need to be defended? No. He needs to be let out of the cage. Just let him out. That's why when we go soul winning, it's just loving the person in front of us. Hey, I'm not here to twist your arm and turn you upside down. I just want to tell you God loves you, and this is, the way, this is the way of salvation. Curse me all day long. It matters not to me. We're presenting a free gift of God. The wages of sin, it's death. And it's not my Bible. It's, not my, it's, it, it's such a beautiful, we're stewards of another, another person's valuables. <laughs> right?
Anybody ever any anybody ever lend out their car? Anybody ever have that person crash your car? How'd that go, Pam? Yeah, I learned that the hard way, too. I, I was driving a VW Bug, and the brakes went, and I crashed into a Lexus. So that's a, that was quite an expensive story. But the person that I lent the car to, they had some righteous judgment. They made me pay. And it was a good friend, too. I thought, oh, this is what this is. No, no, they lent me their car. I'm sorry. They lent me their car. And in the process of using it, they had a faulty aspect to their brakes. And I was on a hill, and I crashed into a Lexus. So here I am driving the car back to my friend. And they, they held my feet to the fire. And I realized from then on that if I'm going to, I'm never going to borrow someone's car. But I'm not, it was a hard lesson, but it's the same principle. If I am a steward of someone else's stuff, I got to take that very seriously. I'm not representing myself. I'm representing the heart of the other person. And that's a lost. That's that's and that is what true respect is by the way. That's true respect when you honor and value and represent the heart of the per, of the person that you are representing. That's respect. Respect is not getting my my way or having this authoritative um privilege. No, 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 no. It's it's we are honored because of the person we represent, right? And as men, that's how we're loved. That's why disrespect is such a, it's a, it's a trigger, right, in a lot of ways. I was with a brother today, and I said, I, said, I said, respect is earned. He says, I don't know about that. And I said, it is. People will learn who you represent, and then depending on if they value who you represent, then it'll be the way they handle you. A lot of people don't care about pastors. They're like, but I read an interesting verse um, in Jeremiah. It says that literally God's word will be a fire in their mouth that you'll speak and you'll burn people as though they were wood. It's the same principle. If I disrespect or I respect, it still doesn't change who God is. He's the ultimate authority in mystery. So they're reaping. They're going to reap because of disrespect, they're going to be reaping. Um... Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.